0: listening to the 30 podcast. Here's your
1: host, Jazz Kang.
0: What's up, Lakers fans? Recording this after a disappointing 118-109 loss to the San Antonio Spurs. Before we jump into that, don't forget, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. You can catch us uh, pretty much anywhere you get your fix. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com for all of your Lakers needs. Joining me today, one of the people responsible for some of the magic you see at SSR, Sabrina Merchant. Sabrina, what's going on?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, Long day, long week, but you know basketball rolls on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I was actually kind of surprised. I, I, I did have a feeling yesterday. And I, like I said, recording this on, on a Thursday night, but on Wednesday, when everything was going on at the Capitol, I was thinking there was a chance that the games would get canceled or postponed. Cause once I, I believe it was Miami and Boston, the, the players that decided they, they might not play, uh, ended up coming back onto the court. Did you get that feeling at all li- leading into leading into like after, after the drama was kind of done in Washington?
1: Yeah, I, I really thought that there was a good chance that the games would be postponed, but I guess this is a different situation than it was in the bubble where, you know, they were all there collectively and yeah. it was easier to, you know, discuss these things as one unit and like take a combined stand as an NBA, you know, fraternity. And we remember, you know, LeBron was one of the guys who was really disappointed when like even the Bucks like just went out and did something without telling the rest of the guys. Right. So I imagine it was probably just their inability to collectively discuss anything that probably led to them, not, you know, staging a protest or a boycott or something like that, but they're not in the bubble. So they theoretically have more opportunities to assert themselves, like and their platform individually, as opposed to having to make, you know, one big move. Yeah. Um, but it, it was interesting, you know, to see the Celtics statement or the Celtics and heat statement that said, we recognize that, basketball is like a force for joy and we want to be able to provide that during these times. And I, I agree. I, I need that joy.
0: <laughs> well, you know what, hopefully these times quote unquote, and you know what I'm referring to, we don't have to deal with them anymore. So <laughs> maybe another couple of weeks and, and, and we can move on, but uh, bring it up to, you know, today's uh, tonight's game. Uh, the Lakers, they've looked like this the last few outings and I'm not going to, you know, the, the Memphis game was a little bit too close for comfort on, on, on Tuesday. Um, and this game too, I mean, they, they found themselves down at, at halftime. They were down by, by, uh, by nine, uh, made a good third quarter push, but that fourth quarter, they, they just didn't have it. I mean, they couldn't make a shot if, if their life depended on it. Uh, do you think the fatigue and, and the condensed schedule and anything is having a, a, a bit of an effect on them? And plus it was a first game back after, after a four, four game road trip as well.
1: You know, for me, it's just really hard to beat the same team three times in a row and you know they they took care of the spurs twice down in san antonio both of those games were i think i wouldn't say comfortable at the end but like the lakers won by a good enough margin so you'd expect the spurs to have just a little more oomph you know you don't want to get swept by a team and it's what three times in one week so just that familiarity you know with the same opponent i think makes it challenging to you know put the hammer down three times in a row so i don't I don't really take too much out of this. Obviously, like the Lakers did not come with the necessary effort (laughs) to win this game. They did not deserve to win this game. And the shooting from the San Antonio Spurs in the first half just really put them in a hole that they could not get over. Uh, And like, I I don't really see more than that. Like the Lakers didn't play well enough. San Antonio did play well. And you just sort of let this one ride. Yeah, this
0: one. I mean, you can't really, although I will say, I mean, at one point I was like, man, like when LaMarcus Aldridge, he was hit, like, it looked like he was going to back down. Uh, Caruso basically from the three-point line, and there was like three seconds left on the shot clock, and he stepped back and just chucked it up, and it went in. And I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be one of those nights, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing you could really do. And uh, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I like what I'm seeing from the Lakers so far. I think every team has been a, a bit of a work in progress. Uh, You know, only mm-hmm. eight nine games into the season, depending on how many each team has played, but they're roughly all around around the same same level. But what I would find interesting too is. A lot of these underdogs, and I mean double-digit underdogs, when you're looking at the betting lines before the games, they're they're coming out and winning. And we you know we saw that uh, I believe it was the the Nets beat uh, Utah on uh, on Wednesday night. There was another game. Uh, you know the the um, the Hornets beat the Hawks. The the Knicks beat the Jazz. Uh, you know the Pelicans beat the. Th- and I think we're gonna get a little bit more of this throughout this throughout this season. Obviously, especially with. Uh, the pandemic going on and and kind of playing it in in two halves, basically. But do you think think the Lakers will turn it on eventually and be able to get on a long winning streak? Or are we going to look at it the same way? Which is, look, it doesn't matter what this team does in the regular season. They can go in as a four or five seed into the playoffs. That's where they're going to get judged, right?
1: Yeah, I imagine that they'll be able to string together a lot of wins just because the schedule is not that challenging to start the year. I mean, I don't want to, like, disrespect to the other opponents that are coming up on the Lakers schedule, but like they're, that's
0: exactly what you're doing, Sabrina. So that's okay. Bulls next,
1: you know, like it's, it's not exactly murderers row coming in. So it works out pretty perfectly for the Lakers that their schedule happens to be backloaded most years. You know, they want them on national TV once football's over. So even though the Lakers are still rounding into form, I think we'll, we'll see them, you know, collect a lot of wins. I mean, at six and three, what they're still tops in the Western conference, or at least, you know, right up there with Phoenix and the Clippers. Right. Yeah. So it's not like they're losing ground even while they're objectively given like, you know, 30% effort most of these games. Uh, but I wouldn't expect like, you know, LeBron to kick it into high gear until March. So he's sort of the barometer for how the Lakers go, I guess.
0: Yeah. He's, and he just seems like he's not, I don't want to say he's coasting because he's not, but he's he's, he's not in he's mid-season, late-season. He's spots, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's the best way to put it. I think right now, and, and he obviously coming in, to all this once they announced, you know, the season's going to get going. And it was basically like a month, you know, five weeks notice that we were like, okay, boom, the, this is when the season's starting and everybody get ready for it. And and he was kind of like, man, I wanted to chill to like, you know, January and then, then start ramping it up. So I wouldn't be surprised. And the Lakers have enough, uh, veteran depth on their squad that you're like, all right, you know what, they're going to, they might sleepwalk their way through games. I, I don't want to say they sleptwalk through the game against the Spurs. I, I think they just didn't have it, like whatever it is, they, they, it just wasn't there, but um, I'm with you. I mean, they're going to have nights like this, especially going through a condensed schedule and, and, and they're traveling where they might not look as good against an inferior team. And, and I think that's what we saw um, in this game. But I do want to ask you, I know we're only nine games in, is there, is there any player on the team that you're looking at that you maybe expected more from, or is there a person that you're looking at that they're exceeding your expectations this early in the season?
1: That's a good question. Um, I, <laughs> this is such a boring answer. The The Lakers are almost exactly what I would expect them to be. Like no one is better or worse other than the fact that Taylor Horton Tucker is getting minutes and doing well in them, which I did not expect at least before the preseason. That's probably the one thing that has surprised me, but in terms of like the new acquisitions, like, you know, Wes Matthews is what I thought he was going to be, you know, a shooter who competes on defense, but he's not, you know, going to make or break a game for you. And that's what we saw today. Like it would have been nice if he had hit that corner three in the fourth to get the Lakers, I think within five at that point. But, uh, and I think this is like the first game all season where he's hit one, three exactly, as opposed to zero or multiple, which is just a weird little factoid, but uh, you know, Marcus all, he's going to have his games where he's on or he's off. And today was one of the off games where he picked up, what, four fouls in 13 minutes and then just never came back onto the court later in the second half. Uh, like, the, these are the things we expected, right? And we know that with veterans, they're going to be able to be more consistent during the playoffs, but during the regular season, we obviously can't expect them to have the same production, nine in and nine out, and that's what we're seeing. So the Lakers have had to rely on Anthony Davis and LeBron James for these exceptional moments, and they weren't exceptional today, right? They were good.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> and, I mean, and let's be honest, I mean, they haven't been exceptional all season. I think, you know, I think
1: like LeBron had like, you know, some of those fourth quarter stretches in Memphis where I would say he was exceptional, but, uh, yeah, this was just like, you know, run of the mill effort. You know, we had multiple trips in the fourth quarter where Anthony Davis and LeBron James missed both free throws and like LeBron James, you'll see that from time to time, Anthony Davis missing both free throws on a trip. That's just like when you know that the Lakers don't have it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you're you're right now. That's what I was thinking too. Like 80 is what, like an 80, 85% free throw shooter, I believe overall, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't see that, see that very often. He's only shooting 72 Uh, percent from the line so far this season but yeah and and i think you know a lot of people and it it is funny seeing some of the reactions on twitter like yo you know uh you know the lakers got it's like dude they're nine games into a season coming off a championship they have lebron james Anthony De- Davis, a ton of veteran talent behind them. I'm not going to sit here and stress about the Lakers after a poor performance like this, cause they're really, they're, there's no need to, they, they got enough. They know where they need to go. And I remember, you know, the Rockets when they went into their, this is a long time ago. I'm probably dating myself here, Sabrina. So <laughs> you know what I mean? But when you look back <laughs> at their 95 championship, I believe they went in as, as the sixth seed and and it's like, mm-hmm. people are still worried about them. And, and I think the Lakers are, are good enough that dude, they can, they can go through the 72 game season and, 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 you know, um, let's just say hypothetically go, you know, 42 and 30 and finish as a six seed, and does any team in the Western Conference want to play them in the first round? No. So I think that's where, you know, that's where right now I'm not I'm not going to judge them too much at this point. I think if you get to game 40, 45, 50, and you're seeing a pattern of of, of a lack of chemistry and a lack of cohesiveness, at that point, I might start to say, oh, wow, you know, what, what, what's going on here? But right now, there's really no point. I mean, LeBron and AD are combining for, what, four, just over 45 points a game together. I'm assuming that's going to go up heavily. Uh, Schroeder's looking, looking pretty good in his role. Uh, Harrell, I think, will we'll reach another level eventually. Too and, and I think that with with Marcus all I mean you, you know he's a, he's an older player, um, but I love the way he plays the game in terms of positionally. Obviously, not what he was once uh, athletically anymore at thirty five years old. But I, I think you're going to see him kind of just grow and get more comfortable and better and better and better. And I think he's he's going to be a meaningful contributor once the playoffs come around as well.
1: Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think the one thing you pointed out is probably that the fact that 80 is only shooting 72% from the free throw line might be the most surprising thing about the Lakers season so far, because, you know, he was the guy that you just give the ball to at the end of the games. Cause you know, he's going to hit those free throws and uh, something about guys putting on a Laker uniform free throws just don't go in as often as you would expect.
0: No, that's okay. But they still won a championship, right? Sabrina, yeah, so still we'll, won a championship. We'll, we'll forgive them <laughs> with that. Uh, let's jump into a couple more topics. We'll do that after a short break. All right. And we're back. Uh, like I said, Sabrina, we're, we're only nine games in. Uh, so n- not a lot you can really take away overall from, from the season and, and every team. And like I said, I, I think it has been a bit of a weird start. Like I, I wouldn't have thought the Raptors would be at one and six going through, you know, seven games into the year. Uh, but lo and behold, that's where they sit. The Knicks are five and three, you know what I mean? Eight games in. Um, is there any team in the Western conference that that you're looking at right now that, you know, other than maybe a Phoenix and the Clippers that you're looking at and like, bam, you know, they might get the Lakers a, a run for their money in the playoffs.
1: I still think the West is the LA teams and then everybody else. Uh, I'm not buying Phoenix until they've shown it on, you know, a playoff stage and just, they haven't had that opportunity yet. So that's, that's where I stand.
0: That's it. You don't, you don't trust in like Utah, New Orleans. The, no, nah, the, I, don't, the I don't, Pelicans, don't trust any of them. <laughs> nothing. You're basically we've it seen, comes down to the clip. We've and seen the Lakers.
1: Lakers just handle Denver, you know, that, and I don't think they've gotten measurably better than they were last year. Uh, Utah is just perennially unable to score in the postseason when defenses can actually load up on them. Um, let's see who else we got. Like I said, with Phoenix, you know, it's just a matter of the experience uh, Dallas. Uh, I don't think they have enough shot creation, which is an interesting thing to say about a team that has Luka Doncic on it, but just beyond him, like there's not much going on there. Uh, and then, who else is in the conference? Houston. You know, Lord knows where James Harden is going to end the season. My money says it's not going to be in Houston. In which case, then the Rockets don't appear that threatening. Um, but yeah, the the Western Conference feels like the LA teams and everybody else. And once again, just like last year, even though obviously the Clippers lost in the second round, the Lakers won the title. I still feel like those two teams are pretty much a coin flip.
0: Where where do you where where do you see Harden ending up? Because I think this is going to be the the big um, focal point as we get into February and March, I think right now, everybody's still kind of getting used to the, the, the league's back and, and, you know, we just came off the holidays with, with Christmas, New Year's and, and, you know, we still got the pandemic going on. I think, you know, once things start to you know stabilize a little bit more and more people are getting the vaccine and more, you know, like the, the focal point comes from, okay, we're not talking about positive tests anymore. Like, you know, Seth Curry tested positive with, with the Sixers today. Um, you know, they're going to, they're, they're going to have to see what happens there in terms of if they have an outbreak with the team. But uh, where, where do you think Harden's ultimately going to end up? Because I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, what leverage does he have at this point? And, and Houston, I, if I were the Rockets, a big like, dude, you're not going anywhere until we feel like we got a good enough, good enough deal for you. So figure something out. Give, if we get a package that's worth it, then we can look at moving. And it, it's a completely different situation, obviously, than it was with the Pelicans, and it could have been with, with Giannis' past off season, where he's like, "I got one year left with you guys. I'm not resigning it. Trade me where I want to go. Otherwise, I'm just going to walk away." Anyways, um, Harden right now, it just doesn't have any any leverage in that sense. Like you still got a couple of years left on his contract. So we're like, do you see him? Do you, uh, do you see any fits for him already that you're looking at? They're like, okay, you know what? That, that's the team that's going to end up with James Harden.
1: The fact that he has, you know, the two years left on his contract makes me think that Houston is going to want to make that deal now, as opposed to next year when you only have one postseason with Harden, you know, guaranteed. Yeah. So, I mean, my instinct still says that he's going to end up in Philadelphia and it's going to be a Ben Simmons package with something else because, uh, obviously there is a lot of talk around the league about how Harden is a difficult player to work into any system. And if anybody knows like familiarity with Harden, it's Daryl Morey. So, uh, he's obviously an upgrade on Simmons. He provides you a scoring option from the perimeter that the Sixers simply don't have because teams just don't guard Ben in the playoffs and he doesn't look to score. So that, that's what I think is gonna happen. I think, uh, the Sixers, yeah, they're seven and two or whatever. They haven't beaten a good team all year. And it's going to get to the point where they realize that this combination between Simmons and Embiid is not sustainable for the playoffs and they're not going to want to waste all of Embiid's prime because he's, he's not a guy who you think is going to have like a, a lengthy career in the NBA. His body type doesn't suggest that to me. So you got to maximize it. And the way to do that is to get James Harden.
0: You don't, you don't see, you don't see any teams in the West being able to try and make a move for him.
1: So, I, I think Denver has the goods to get it done. I'm just not sure that they are willing to, like, uproot their chemistry to bring in James Harden. I, I think that's a mistake. I think Harden is worth the chemistry concerns, but um, they've just uh, been so committed to their homegrown internal growth model. You know, like with Murray and Harris and Jokic and now Porter. I just have a hard time believing that they'll make such a dramatic change when you know they're coming off a season where they went to the Western Conference Finals, right? It's not like they can say that their model isn't working. Uh, so that's, I don't think anybody in the West like wants to shake up like that.
0: You know, you know, it's funny that you're saying that. I'm like, well, why? Why doesn't Denver want to trade for Harden? Do they want to finish as a potentially, a, a, I don't think they're making it back to the Western Conference Finals again, to be honest with you, <laughs> with uh, with everything the way that went down, because I- I'm with you. I think when, when you're looking at, when you're looking at, at, at how the NBA is constructed, and, and I hopped on, I, I did a, a radio hit uh, in Canada a couple of weeks ago, and I was asked about, okay, what, what, you know, what about the Raptors? Like, what can they really do? Can they build around Siakam? And I'm like, no. And, and the problem is that Pascal Siakam put up great numbers because he had Kawhi Leonard playing with him. And in the NBA, it's it's rare that you see a team win without bona fide superstars. And I think that's where the, the mistake... And I, I I think Masai Ujiri will try and make another move to bring in another guy. I think Fred Van Vliet's a, a heck of a player. But I think that's where the problem is, where, where some of these NBA teams, like, you get two attached to your it's almost like the stock market right if you have a good stock you can't get too attached mm-hmm. to it when it's time to move on from it it's time to move on from it if you can if you can gain something else and i think that's where the mistake that a lot of these nba franchises make like for the for the nuggets don't get me wrong Jokic obviously is, is an mvp type player jamal murray's a great piece i really like michael porter jr's game I, I think he can develop into something else but unless you have a guy out there who is legitimately a top five top seven player in the nba it's pretty damn tough to win a championship so i i think you know I'm, I'm if the nuggets do elect to stay with what they have good luck to them sure you can make the western conference finals again you ain't winning a championship though
1: yeah I, I think it's just early to tell with denver because we've seen you know Jokic and murray get so much better each season and i do believe that Jokic is already good enough to be the best player on a championship team So it's just a matter of Murray being able to recreate that form that he had last year. And they're, they're just so young, you know, they're both 25 and younger or maybe like 26, but there's, there's a lot of time for them to get to a point, you know, where they can be a title team. So I I understand the impetus to not want to blow up what they have. I'm not sure. I agree with it just because you don't get an opportunity for a player like James Harden every day, but I see where they're coming from. And, you know, it's not like a, 2021 or bust type season for Denver, right? They have a lot of time with this group. Um, But before we like, you know, get too far out of script there, I did think there were some things I want to talk about with the Lakers today. (laughs) Um, uh, They brought back Alex Caruso today, which was just delightful to see because he's been in the COVID protocol for so long. And, you know, it's funny, the Lakers have been in this habit where they've been getting off to really hot starts. And then the second unit just sort of blows it. And today was the total opposite because. I don't know what happened with the starters but anytime caruso comes onto the court it's just instant energy and it was so great to see that still be the case even after him being out for such an extended period of time like i never know what kind of fitness the guys have when they're in these covid protocols because like what workers are theoretically allowed to do when you might have been exposed to this virus uh but he looks great um nice little two-man game going with anthony davis just it's it's so comforting to know that like he gets on the court good things happen and like that hasn't changed yet. Well,
0: he's Captain America, of course. When he comes on, when he comes on the court, <laughs> everything good's gonna happen. We can't worry about it. What what kind of condition Alex Caruso's in? The guy's machine. He's always he's always gonna be good. Um, I'm with you. I, I think what he brings to the team, it, it's one of those that the Lakers, like once once they kind of discovered that okay, he's not just this guy who's like, I don't want to. I'm not disrespecting. I'm not saying it that way. He's he's had a very good NBA career, but I think when they look at guys like Matthew Delavadova, we're like, oh, he's just gonna come in and and know work hard on defense and try and whatever and hit some shots whereas with caruso it, it like you mentioned it just kind of like he can you can put him in a bunch of different situations and he's not gonna back down from it Do you know what i mean like you can put him mm-hmm. on the other team's best perimeter player and say guard him as hard as you can he'll do a good job of it you tell him to to you know, like you said, to run a two-man game with Anthony Davis. He'll, he'll do a good job of it, and I think that. And again, I'm just referring to the second unit because obviously we know who the money makers are are on the you know mm-hmm. in the Lakers with with LeBron and AD and and obviously a guy a talent like uh, like like Schroeder. But um, to me, like what Caruso brings, I think they really needed that last season. And and you know, I'm not going to say he was underrated or underappreciated because. A lot of people gave a lot of love to Alex Caruso last season and it was, it was des- deservedly so, but I, I'm glad that he kind of proved himself to be more than just a, Oh, I'm just a hustle guy who comes in and I'll die for loose balls and do this. Like he has some oomph to his game. And I think that's why he's a, he's a perfect force off the bench for this roster.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Lakers just needed some sort of lift when he came into the game and that's the kind of thing that you would normally think Montrez Harrell would provide. You know, that was very much his role with the Clippers last year when they were sort of you know middling along with their starting lineup then you bring in Trez, and there's just instant like enthusiasm on the court and that's i haven't seen as much of that with trez this year it's probably because the lakers don't care as much of their offense around him as the clippers did but it was very much present with alex caruso i did think that um there was some like newness with the rotations where like kuzma has been playing with that lebron second you know lineup a lot um over the past few days and like he never really seemed to get quite in his groove uh, just playing with the starters, but like, you know, looking at the rotations on a Thursday night game against the San Antonio Spurs, like this early in the season is not <laughs> overwhelmingly important. Um, I just, I keep looking at the starting lineup and think that like the Lakers make a lot more sense when Kuzma's coming off the bench or when KCP is starting. And uh, it's, it's hard for me to make any like grand pronouncements about them when they're still working everybody back into shape. Yeah. Um, but it was just really nice to see that like Caruso looks like exactly like you would expect him to look.
0: How much uh how much of a difference do you think KP, KCP's return is gonna have? Do you think that's it's, it's, it's kind of throwing things off having having Kuzma starting?
1: Yeah, Kuzma's just I mean, he's he's starting at shooting guard, right? Like that's a very weird position to have him at. And I, I realize that he's defensively versatile and the Lakers pretty much used him on DeRozan today, which is pretty much like the exact body type you'd want Kuzma guarding. And he was he was fine, you know, like DeRozan had 19 points, nothing exceptional, right? He was he was doing his job, but like, I didn't think Kuzman was the reason that DeRozan was like getting to his spots or anything. Um, but like, there's just like some something lacking in the starting lineup right now. Uh, I don't know if it's foot speed, you know, which KCP definitely adds or some sort of like internal cohesion. But I, I think that'll clear up when KCP comes back just because he has so much familiarity with these guys, like the longest tenured Lager, it can call above, So, uh, just having him running with like LeBron and AD makes those transition possessions even more deadly. Like the, I haven't seen the fit with Schroeder yet that um, I'm sure it'll just take time over the 72 games, but like, this was another game where Schroeder just didn't look quite comfortable, like knowing when it was his turn to attack versus when it was time to defer to the other guys. Like he took 11 shots and scored six points. And I know you asked me earlier, you know, if there was any guys who had been better or worse than I expected, this is what I expected from Dennis Schroeder. Like, I don't know why he's starting. I don't know why the Lakers have entrusted so much with him, but uh, to me, everything sort of clears up when KCP's on the court. Well, who, who
0: would you, who would be your ideal starting lineup then for, for the Lakers?
1: So I thought that KCP and Wes Matthews would be the starting backcourt. And then you'd bring in Dennis Schroeder off the bench to sort of, uh, you know, lead the second unit in a similar way that Rondo did. Rondo, yeah. And then that allows Schroeder to stretch his, wings, you know, because he's not going to be directing the offense in the first unit. Like you've got LeBron, you've got Anthony Davis, and we've talked so much about how the Lakers want to run a lot of playmaking through Marcus all. So then where does that put Schroeder on the pecking order? Right. And I understand that it's important to, you know, run reps with James and Davis, because like, that's going to be a lineup that the Lakers turn to down the stretch in the postseason. But for now, I think it's important just to get Schroeder comfortable with himself. And to me, that would make sense off the bench.
0: I I could see that too. I mean, I think that he, he really is the only real natural point guard on on the roster. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So, I mean, I could see why, why Vogel's going, okay, you know, let's just get this guy out there, but uh, depending on how they stagger the minutes, I mean, I I think there's a way you can say, all right, we'll start you, get get you out there for the first five, six minutes, um, sit you off and then get you back in with the second unit. So you're kind of the facilitator there, but um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting and you, and you don't really want LeBron. And I know it's not like it, it was in the, in the old days where, you know, the teams were pressuring you bringing the ball up the court all the time. And, and, and this and that, where it's more of a, of a, you know, we've all talked about the NBA games become more about, you know, spacing and, and offense and, and defensively it, it's not what it, what it used to be. And that, that's a testament to the level of, uh, that the players are at now, but it's also, you know, a difference in, in terms of how they play defense. So, uh, you know, do you think, do you think that would take more of a, like, who would you have? Would you have KCP bringing up the ball? Like you did a few times uh, throughout the playoffs, like who would be bringing up the ball for you? If, if, uh, if you, if you bring shooter off the bench to start the game, would you just say, all right, LeBron, go do your thing. Or it's just kind of wide open. Yeah. Like-
1: I think you let KCP Anthony Davis, you know, any of them bring up the ball really. Uh, I mean, how, how much is true to really doing that? You know, like yeah. uh, LeBron brings up the ball a lot. <laughs> like they're not really, uh, I it just seems like such a, a minuscule thing to like want Schroeder in the game because they're gonna pressure, you know, the ball handler. Like the clippers pressure the ball handler. Who else in the league is really doing that? You know, like there's certain matchups where obviously you want to have more ball handlers on the floor, but I just don't think that on a day-to-day basis the Lakers need to be doing that. And I haven't seen enough out of Schroeder in the starting lineup that makes me think that he's like a a defe- like a set in stone starter at this point, right? Like he yeah. hasn't shown that oh we have to reserve a spot for him you know i mean i'm not even sure marcus all has done that yet like there are times when i think it'd be beneficial to have mantras here on the starting lineup and just like get rolling with some speed right away but
0: um now right the, also, Sabrina. I'm, I'm liking this all right you know what you're getting authoritative here with what you want done with the lakers this is good <laughs> this is good I to think if,
1: if we're going to experiment you know we should experiment with the starting lineup as well too and yeah
0: yeah well, they got the, and they had the depth to do it. And I think that's yeah. where you where Frank Vogel has an advantage. And I, I've talked about this on the, on the podcast before as well is, you know what these guys have uh last season. It wasn't like we knew, uh, you know, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, those, those guys were going to be on the court to start a game no matter what, but around mm-hmm. them um you know we saw it it was it was like a revolving door okay who's gonna start here who's gonna and and Frank Vogel had the option and I think that that's one thing that I, I praised him for a lot during especially in the playoffs was he wasn't sticking with rotations like I'm gonna you know like Steve Kerr does that with the Warriors like Steph Curry plays the first 12 minutes plays the opening quarter then he then he sits for the first six minutes of the second and then he's back on towards the end of the half whereas um Frank Vogel has been like all right you know what uh I like the way Caruso's playing today. I'm going to give him some more run. I like the way Kuzma's playing today. I'm going to give him some more run. And I think that like you're saying, like they still have time to experiment. We know that the two cornerstones of the team are, it's just who's Mm going to be around them. You you can do that based off the opponent, which I think is a huge advantage that a lot of teams don't do, Um, you know, in terms of the the coaches stick to one plan and one rotation, and this is how we're going to do it. Whereas Vogel last season was like, all right, I don't give a crap if if I've had the same starting lineup all season. I like what Dwight Howard's going to bring against Jokic. So I'm going to go with that. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like to think about, you know, the way the the Raptors did things during their title run where they would, you know, rotate with uh, Ibaka starting at the five or Valanciunas before Gasol got there and then Gasol to just like, there's no reason why if you rotate a closing lineup that you can't rotate as a starting lineup. And I would like to see, you know, lots of different combinations that the Lakers have offered because like they're not I guess the problem is they're not trying hard enough to really tell if like there are problems with the lineup construction itself or just effort level, you know? Um, so it's unreasonable for me to make these kinds of conclusions when they're not giving the energy necessary. Uh, but yeah, there's just, there's like enough games where, you know, the Lakers are screwing around where I think like, why not just move some guys in and out of the lineup and make them sweat a little bit, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And just, and just see what I right. You're right. You know, if, if a guy's underperforming and, and there has to be some consequences and they have enough players to be able to do it. So I, I wouldn't be surprised with that. Uh, let's wrap up on this. You, you know, we talked a little bit about their schedule, really the only, and I'm talking, I'm not disrespecting any of the teams coming up either, but the only legit championship contender um that they have between now and, and, and the twenty for, well, let's just go all the way through until the, the 26th of January is the Milwaukee Bucks. And they're at Milwaukee on the 21st. Other than that, they got back-to-back games against Houston, uh, OKC, then they're home against the Pelicans and, and, and the Warriors. Then there's that game against the Bucks and then they go Chicago, Cleveland. So you got, you know, a, a pretty reasonable uh, eight game, nine game stretch here. How do you think they do over those, those nine games? What do you think the record will be?
1: I'm going to say, Six and three. Okay, let's let's make a we'll make a small
0: wager on this. I'll, I'll go seven and two. Okay. <laughs> and we'll see who's right. We'll see who's right at the end of this. We'll we'll bet a six pack or something like that on it. How's well, it's that?
1: good because they can't go six and a half and two and a half. So one of us will have one of us has to win. Okay, <laughs> so
0: I'll take the over six and a half. You take the under, and uh and we'll see what happens. Um, that's that'll do it for this episode. Uh, Make sure you guys subscribe to our podcast network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at silverscreenandroll.com.